0: This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So this morning, uh, we are continuing a a sermon series that we began for the summer uh, on the book of Daniel. And our hope, and we've done this for several years in this church, is that every summer we do pause and we sort of break normal rhythms uh, to uh, really dive deeply into one, uh, one book of Scripture, uh, now, to be clear, uh, we preach from Scripture every week. This is not just something we do for the summer. Uh, we always come at it from God's Word. We always look at what God, God's Word is teaching us and how God's Word is shaping us. Uh, but as a people who are committed to uh, to knowing God's Word, to being formed and shaped by Scripture, that believe that the Word of God is inspired by God to lead us into relationship with Him and, and shape our relationship with the world, uh, we feel like it's really important for us uh, to dive deep sometimes simply into a book And to help let that uh, resonate and teach us about God's relationship with God's people across time. Uh, The other hope is that for many of us, we know that uh, summer changes our rhythms. And so many of us are traveling. We go uh, perhaps to the beach or mountains or to see family. Uh, We have children uh, for many of us that that are out of school or coming out of school soon. And that uh, also changes our rhythms, uh, sometimes for good, sometimes uh, for other things. Uh, And we'd like to send them back to school as soon as possible. But that's, my kids are still in school right now. So that's not even, hasn't even started yet. Um, But we are, it changes that. And so as we gather, as we uh, are in different places and perhaps not even in the normal places that we are throughout the summer, uh, we hope that it keeps us linked together and connected as the body, that wherever you might find yourself, um, I hope that you would find yourself in Daniel and that you might study this with us and uh, and connect on uh, our podcast with the sermons and, and learn and study and be in scripture with your families, with uh, your small groups, with your communities, and just continue to study and stay connected. And it really is a way for us uh, this summer to do that. I did run to a friend this morning who was coming and said, I was actually listening to your sermon on the way here this morning to catch up uh, so I could be ready. And so we are that, that resource is always available for us to just continue to journey together as we dive, dive deeply into God's Word uh, this summer. And so this morning we're going to jump right in. And I invite you, if you have a Bible with you, if you uh, to open it with me to Daniel 1. Um, many of you will have that in print. Some of you will have that on your phones, um, but you feel free to open that up. Uh, if you need to use the table of contents to find Daniel, there is no shame in that. Uh, it is uh, one of those books that is tucked into the very end of the Old Testament uh, between Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, the major prophets and the 12 minor prophets. And so it is sort of tucked there, the last 100 pages of my Old Testament. Uh, but use it to find Daniel. And I invite you to open with me uh, to Daniel 1. And you can leave that open with you this morning as we walk through uh, this from Daniel's uh, Hear this word from Daniel one, beginning with verse one. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, a king Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into his power, as well as some of the vessels of the house of God, and these he brought to the land of Shinar and placed the vessels in the treasury of his gods. And then the king commanded his palace master Ashpenaz to bring some of the Israelites of the royal family and of the nobility. Uh, young men without physical defect and handsome, uh, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight, and competent to serve in the king's palace. They were, there, they were to be taught the literature and language of the Chaldeans. And the king assigned them a daily portion of the royal rations of food and wine, and they were to be educated for three years. So at the end of that time, they could be stationed in the king's court. Among them were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the tribe of Judah the palace master gave them other names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, So this morning, I want to catch us up a little bit. And I know last week, if you were here, we did not have uh, the screens up. And so we were trying to show some maps and, and couldn't quite get them. So I want to pull them up this morning so to catch us up to where we are uh, in this book, uh, Daniel is situated about 600 BC. But if we back up about 300 years, and around 900 BC, uh, the Israelites, uh, the the children of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, actually became divided. They had a, a a break in their kingdom, and there's a do you have the um, Northern Kingdom, Southern Kingdom, and they they broke into two spaces. Uh, the Northern Kingdom became known, known as Israel. Uh, they were nine tribes that made up Israel. And the southern kingdom was known as Judah. And the southern kingdom was where Jerusalem is. It's, it's sort of surrounded that area. It's where the temple was. And Judah was made up of three of the tribes of Israel, uh, Benjamin, Simeon, and Judah. Uh, as sort of a side note, uh, if you want to know where the, the name Jewish comes from or what it means to be Jew, to be a Jew, it comes from this identity of the Judahites, what was known as the Judahites at the time. And so this is where that originates from. People have asked me, why? they're Israelites. Why, are they, you know, why is it called Jewish? Well, that's where it comes from from the Judahites, that southern kingdom. and about 750 B.C., uh, this northern kingdom, which is uh, the Israelite kingdom, the, Israels, the Israel kingdom, Israelite kingdom, uh, Israel was uh, actually exiled from that space by the Assyrians. The Assyrians were in power in that region. You can flip the next map if you want to, Donna. They were in power in that region, and they really pulled them out of that space uh, all over what is sort of the northern part of that map right there where it says Assyria. And they got pulled out and dispersed across that entire region. And then about 150 years later, in 600, when Nebuchadnezzar was uh, the king of Babylon, the Babylonians really began to take over that region, and they attacked Jerusalem. And they took the southern kingdom, which was the Judah, Judah and they pulled them out uh, into Babylon. And that's where we are. And so when we tell the story of da- Daniel, uh, Daniel and his friends, you know, Hananiah, uh, uh, Mishael, and Azariah, and uh, thousands of other people were pulled out of the southern kingdom of Judah and brought to Babylon, where they were to serve at the, for the king's purposes. And so that really is what's happening in the life of, of Daniel. And there's lots of things that are important to notice about, about what's happening here. As you look at Scripture, uh, when, when kings took over a region, they didn't want to just take it over and destroy it. That wasn't the, the whole purpose. Uh, many kings actually wanted to take the people there and preserve the people, but actually acculturate them to their culture, to actually make them Babylonians, to, to root out in them, any history of their kingdom, any history of their traditions, and actually begin to transform them to look and talk and eat and act uh, like Babylonians. And the way they would do that is over the course of really, and it took an entire generation. But over the course of a generation, they would teach them the language, and they would teach them, uh, they would teach them to eat the food, and they would take away the traditions and the idols. And so anything that related to their gods or their temples, which is why when Nebuchadnezzar went into Jerusalem, he took the, the gold and silver and all the pieces in the temple and actually took them with him uh, to, to really to destroy and to repurpose for his his pieces, for his kingdom. And so the other thing kings would do is they would take uh, the royal families, the like celebrities of the time, and they would bring them into their service and let them be a model for which this happened. And that's really what's what's happening in verses uh, 3 through 7. So if you have your Bible, again, look at it with, with me, starting with verse 3. It says, as they brought these thousands of people over from Judah, Nebuchadnezzar looked at his chief eunuch, the, the master of his courts, and he had them bring Israelites of the royal family and of nobility. So again, people that would be recognized, people that were celebrated, people that people might know their names of, and so the Israelites might see this happening. And then in verse 4, young men without physical defect and handsome, uh, versed in every branch of wisdom, endowed with knowledge and insight and competent to serve in the king's palace. So he took the best looking, uh, the most attractive, the mo- like the ones that are known as wisest, like they took these people, they gathered them into that place, people that would be recognized, people that would be celebrated, and then they began to teach them the language of the Chaldeans. And they signed them daily portions of the food and wine, and they were to be educated for three years. And it became this indoctrination process by which these people were simply worked on to be transformed so that as they went back into those spaces and places, they might reflect what Nebuchadnezzar desired. was that everything that they knew, all of their tradition, all of their heritage, all of their history, uh, might be rooted out of them, and they might become and look uh, more like Babylonians. And then finally, in verse 6 and 7, and I think this is an important shift he does something that I think uh, we can also relate to. Uh, He names these four particularly, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from Judah. And then the palace master, Ashpenaz, gives them four new names. Daniel, he calls Belteshazzar. Hananiah, he calls Shadrach. Mishael, he calls Meshach. And Azariah, he calls Abednego. Now, I know for me uh, and for many of us, one of the things that has been uh, one of the most important parts of our marriage as we've tried to raise two kids and one of the, probably one of the most challenging parts for a season uh, was to figure out what to name our kids. Did y'all have this challenge? Yeah? Some of you are like, no, it was easy. He just listened to me. That's how it works in our family. Uh, so we had this conversation, and we had this conversation, and we found out we were pregnant with Coleman, our, our, uh, our son, who's 10, 10 now. I remember that conversation took months. And even like up to the last week before he was born, like I was still trying to change his name. I'm like, no, I think it might need to be this. And my wife looked at me and said, no, I've like already started to make things with his name on it. You're not changing it now. Like this is not how it works. Uh, but we had this long discussion. And for us, we were trying to figure out what, what we wanted embodied in our kids' names, like what we wanted to be important in our kids' names. Uh, for my family growing up, uh, every one of, uh, of us, of our of kids, I have a brother and a sister. They're both younger than I am. Uh, my parents uh, thought it was important that our names had two pieces to them. One was a biblical name, uh, and one was a family name. And so my name is Timothy Davis. Uh, it was then. It still is now. Uh, but it was Timoth- it's Timothy Davis. Uh, Timothy, honestly, is is from Scripture. It's, uh, there's two books in the New Testament, two letters that Paul writes to Timothy, it was a young pastor who Paul had entrusted to lead the local church that Paul had be left behind. And so there's this passing on from you know, generation to generation. Now, my parents had no clue I'd be doing this, and so um, I still think they're not really sure that I'm doing this, but that's a different story. Uh, but they, they, so they gave me Timothy. They gave me this name of Timothy. And then Davis was the name of my great uncle, my dad's uncle, who was beloved in my, in my parents' family, my dad's family. And so I was named after Timothy Davis. My brother is Christopher Mark. Mark was actually both the biblical name and the family name. Uh, Mark being one of the Gospels, and then my sister's name was Katie Leah. Again, Leah was also that biblical name and family name for her. Now, in my wife's family, uh, my wife, uh, her her maiden name is McDaniel. Uh, she comes from a, an Irish family, and so they wanted to put that Irish heritage in, in, in their names as well and also have some family pieces to it. And so my wife's name is Aaron. Uh, Aaron, if you don't know, is the poetic name in Gaelic for Ireland. And so it was, I mean, it, you know, the Gaelic sort of is like Ireland McDaniel. Like, that's what her name was. Her middle name was Anne. again, it's still this, it's not, I say was, it was her name, it still is her name. Uh, her middle name was Anne, uh, and it was the name after her grandmother's. And so again, in her family, there was this, this family heritage rooted in the names of the children. And so we wanted to do some of the same, and so we began to look through scripture, and we, we'd read names, we'd talk about names, and we were, we're asking, you know, are they, do we want to use a biblical name, and, and what that looks like. Now, something you need to know about uh, my wife, she taught school for seven years, if you are a school teacher, you know that you really can't use any name of any of your students. Like, that's just not possible. Um, even the good ones, like, they're just stories, and like, that you, just, you just can't do that. And so it makes it really hard as you're naming your kids. And so we went through the Bible, we looked at these names, and, and every name we liked, it'd be like, hey, what do you think about this? Or so what do you think about this? And she goes, yeah, and I can just see the look in her eyes, right? Yeah, I had a student once. I'm like, you can just stop right there. We're good. <laughs> but we finally got to a place, and I actually looked through a list of saints, And Coleman's name, actually, his name is Coleman Davis. Uh, Coleman is an Irish saint. Uh, It's a saint from that island, and we found that. We both loved it. We're like, this is great. And then uh, Davis is, of course, the family name passed on. Um, When our daughter was born two years later, uh, her name is Campbell Raylan. Uh, Campbell is also a Scotch-Irish name, and so we preserve that heritage. And then Raylan is actually uh, our grandmothers, or her grandmothers, our moms, uh, two of their names put together to make Raylan. And so, again, she has that family heritage, both the Scotch-Irish and the family heritage that's passed on. And so that became important for us. And our, and our kids know these stories. They know, we tell them these stories. We, we tell them why their names are what they are. Because it's important because it, it ties them uh, to the history and to the heritage of, of where they come from. Now, the same was true and probably even more important uh, in the time of Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and, and Michelle. I want to pull up, Don, I'm going to go out of order a little bit. I'm going to pull up their, um, their Hebrew names first. Uh, here are their Hebrew names. Uh, Daniel was a Hebrew name meaning Yahweh is my judge. Uh, Hananiah, you can see, means Yahweh is gracious. Uh, Michelle was who is like Yahweh, like the essence of Yahweh. And Azariah is Yahweh as helped. Every one of their names was tied to an identity tied to Yahweh, the God of Israel. Uh, the name that, that, that I am, the, God, the name of God in that, in that region is how we named him in that time. So Yahweh influenced informed every one of their names going in. And so Nebuchadnezzar, through Ashpenaz, actually recognizes this and recognizes that by changing their name, you also begin to challenge their identity. And these are the new names that came up. So Daniel uh, was changed uh, to Belteshazzar. Belteshazzar means worshiper of Baal. And and so Baal was a regional god of the time, an idol that they worshipped in that area. Baal is one that you constantly see in competition with Yahweh in that region. Uh, You can keep going. Hananiah, Shadrach, uh, means command of Aku. And you can read uh, Aku is the name of the Babylonian god of the moon. Next one. Um, Meshach is who is what Aku is. Again, the essence of the god of the moon. And then the last one, Abednego, means servant of Nebu. Nebu in Akkadian means the Babylonian god of wisdom. And so Nebuchadnezzar was intentional, not only teaching them uh, the language, not only forcing them to eat the food and drink the wine, not only uh, making them uh, do all the traditions and customs, but also change their name and really challenging their identity uh, in who they were, challenging how they saw themselves, challenging how they're connected. And throughout Daniel, as we study and go through this this summer, uh, one thing that we will see is their identity is constantly challenged. Their connection to God is constantly challenged, and, then, and they have to choose uh, who they're going to be in those places. Are we going to be the people who claim our original names, names like Daniel and Hananiah and Azariah and Michelle, names that reference Yahweh, the God of, our, of Israel? Or are we going to be people who claim an identity tied to this new way, this new culture, this place that we step into? And so a couple things that I, I would just encourage you to do this week as you're living this out. One, uh, if you know the origin of your name, and like, maybe people around you don't, like, like, we just share it. It's kind of fun, or it's mostly fun. Uh, some of you don't like your names. Um, that's less fun. Sorry for that. Uh, but we, you can share it. We did this with our uh, staff this past Wednesday. We're actually studying Daniel with our staff team all summer long, and so we actually shared names, and it was really cool to hear and to learn and to, to process with that. Actually, we did it with some of our neighbors last night. We just, it was just sort of fun and to, to learn those stories. But those stories tell something about us. They teach something about us. And so I would encourage you to, to do that. Uh, the other thing I would, I would ask you to, to think about in the process is what other names have shaped your identity over time? See, not only do we have the names that were given to us at birth or that have changed over time, but we have those names that have been imprinted on us uh, by others. Often, you know, when I was in high school, and we're going to celebrate our graduates here again this weekend. Like I remember, like there were names that, that were given to me. There were names that were assigned to me. One, um, most of them were good. Um, some of them were not. Very few of them were not. I mean, you know, almost none were bad. Anyway, sorry, flashbacks. Anyway, um, but there are names, right? And so we have. Like, I was, I was an athlete, and so I was known as an athlete. I was a good student, and so people saw me as, you know, scholarly, and I was voted by my peers as best all around, like, which is, I just, like, I loved, right? And then there were other names, and they were tied to, uh, to other parts of my life. You know, I was, I was in church, and I was uh, in youth group and in youth, uh, youth organization, and, and yet I also made choices, uh, even how I was in church, how I lived my life throughout the week. And for a while there, part of my identity, identity was wrapped up in the fact that I would go to church you know, on Sunday. I'd be in a small group during the week. But the rest of the time, I really just set my faith aside. You know, and I saw myself really as a three-hour Christian. If I could be a Christian for three hours a week, I was kind of doing my, uh, doing my Christianity. And I had a choice to make. As I went from the place that was familiar to me to a new place, to college, I went to the University of Virginia, uh, which I, you know, was like being exiled, but being exiled in a really good place. You know, right, right Jim? That's right. But I was away from home, and I had to choose. Like, who was I going to be? How would people know me? How would people name me? How, what would be, I be known for? And, you know, I made a choice going into my senior year of high school that I was going to be known in college as someone who was faithful to Christ 24-7, like this was going to be my life. And I made that decision, and it, it shaped my entire college experience. Um, our graduates are going to make those choices in the, in the coming coming months. Like, who are they going to be? What will their life look like? How will they be known? How will they be named? For many of them, they get a chance to reinvent themselves, whether in college or in school or whether in workplaces. And really all of us have that same challenge. Every new relationship, every new community, every new church, every new workplace, every new neighborhood you're a part of, every, every relationship you're in, you get to choose how you'll be known, how will you be named, what it means to be uh, in those places i'm going to read um, this morning from galatians this is from paul's letter and paul struggled with this his whole ministry and saw this in lots of places it was this this challenge between identity what it means to be god's children what it means to be challenged as people of the flesh to be uh, literally f- like foreigners and foreigners in a land uh, he pointed to the citizenship that is in heaven and this is what he writes in galatians and it really is a list of i think the places that we often are challenged uh, as people of god this is in galatians chapter 5 to ask ourselves, how do we want to be known? How do we want to be seen? What names will people call us? And this is what he writes, beginning with verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. The works that are you know, not tied to the God we call, call our God, that, that calls us his, his children, are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, Quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. I just ask you this morning: How are, how are you known? How are you known by by your community? How are you known by your neighbors? How are you known by your spouse, by your kids, by your parents, by your coworkers? What do people call you? How do they see you? How do they experience you? i would challenge you, you know, i think our desire as christ followers is clearly to be a people who are called by those names in galatians are we a people of love people of peace of patience of forgiveness of gentleness of self-control are we a people that when when people see us they see the imprint of god on us are we a people who reflect christ in all that we do is that how people experience us uh, this morning i want to close um which is a brief reflection. Um, One of the things uh, that happened this week is as uh, we moved from Wednesday to Thursday and I got the news that that Pastor Glenn had passed away. Uh, Thursday, I spent time on the phone and I made about 30 or 40 phone calls to folks to let them know uh, of of Glenn's passing. And every phone call I made, uh, people would share a story. And they would share a story of Glenn. They would share a, a time where he came and sat with them or their family members in the hospital. They would share a time where, where he came and just you know, prayed with them. I think many folks said, I heard over and over again, you know, like when he was talking to Glenn, it was like talking to God. Like He just has this voice, right? And they began to share these stories. And, and I heard these names. And, of course, some of them are names that many of us know, things like you know, son and, and brother and father and, uh, and friend. But the, There were these other names that came up over and over again. Names like mentor, names like spiritual guide, names like spiritual giant. I had several people say that when he walked in the room, it's like the Holy Spirit walked in with him. And then some say, my kids included, that he spoke with the voice of God. They said, I just want Glenn to pray. Like, can he just pray for me? Like, that's what they would say. He was pastor. He was friend. He was one who was never in a hurry, but always fully present. And there are so many that I could share. I sat down with his wife, Elaine, uh, Thursday morning, and then again on Friday, and, and began to talk about uh, those, those stories that I heard over and over again, and even my own experience. As some of you know, Glenn actually was our pastor. He baptized uh, our son, Coleman. And I shared these stories about Glenn's life and about how people saw and experienced Glenn. And, you know, one thing I said to, to Elaine that morning, you know, that as I look at my own life, my own ministry, One of my hopes and prayers is, like, I could just, like, if I could just have, like, half of those, you know, I don't don't need all of it. but I could be known as half the pastor that he was, like, I would have lived a good and faithful life. This week, we'll have a chance to celebrate him again on Wednesday. Uh, But I just want to, this morning, challenge all of us as we reflect on who we are. Are we a people that when we walk in a room, people might say of us, the Holy Spirit came with them? that God's presence came with them. That when people see you all, that when the people see us, they really might see uh, the presence of God, the very nature of God walk in the room, that we too might be known uh, with those, those names. Let me pray. I'll pray for us this morning. Almighty God, uh, we do uh, give you thanks. Uh, we thank you for the ways in which you have uh, fed us and transformed us and and breathed new life into us. We thank you for the ways that your Holy Spirit uh, continues to uh, to to pour out on your community even thousands of years later, and and that you are choosing to use us to be your people. And we thank you for servants like Pastor Glenn, who model for us what it really means to be a person who who worships you, who is shaped by you, who allows the Holy Spirit to work and breathe through him. And we pray that we might too be that kind of people, a people that model for this world what it means to be be and to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness that we might be a people who embody your grace in all that we do. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.